Welcome back to another week here on MWO Sports. Ryan Drury, I'll be joined by Chris Clark. No savvy this week, and we have a lot to dig into. We'll, of course, be joined by our friend Jim Cressman. Jim the Hitman Cressman, former umpire. We'll talk about the World Series in the L.A. Dodgers, the Justin Turner incident, the Blake Snell incident, and we'll talk a little bit about the Arizona Coyotes' latest draft controversy. We'll then be joined by our friend, former Listowel Cyclone, Caleb Warren, to talk about the great equipment fundraiser that he and former teammates did for a community up north. And, of course, at the end, we'll be joined by our wagering expert, Chris Abbott from CoolBet. You're listening to and watching MWO Sports brought to you by CoolBet.co. This is MWO Sports. Welcome back to another week here on MWO Sports brought to you by CoolBet.co. Ryan Drury and Clarkie here. Steve Sabrin is off this week and we're very pleased to be joined by another great special guest, friend of the show, Jim the Hitman Craftsman, longtime umpire and columnist. Jim, how are you, man? Good, Ryan. I'm a friend of yours, but I don't know about uh, <laughs> one, of my cats, one of my cats wants to get in the picture here. But anyway... <laughs> Beautiful. I don't know about <laughs> well, yeah, a lot of people don't know about Clarkie. Uh, one thing we do yeah. know is that the Los Angeles Dodgers have ended their 32-year drought, and they are the World Series champions. Uh, what was it for you that pushed them over the top? I mean, we can we can dig into Kevin Cash and all of that <laughs> momentarily, but what a great team that this Dodgers unit is, and they look set up to succeed for years. Well, they they were the best team in baseball all season, but very rare. Does it happen that the best team in the regular season in any sport ends up winning it all? Because there's just so many variables once you get into the uh, playoff short series, all that sort of thing. But uh, the Dodgers pitching uh, and well, just about everything. Yeah, they're, they're going to be good. But, you know, the Rays are going to be good for uh, years as well. But uh, I posted just as the game ended. I already had it set up on my Facebook. And as soon as the game ended, I hit the button and said the uh, Los Angeles Dodgers are respectfully requesting that the world series MVP trophy go to, uh, Kevin cash, that, that, <laughs> that will be debated for years to come because like the, 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 the Rays were, they, well, he, he was, Snell was owning the Dodgers batters, especially the top, top four in their lineup. And then for him to do that, you could just see the Rays deflated. And in the ninth inning, those guys went up to the plate and, well, the last last batter, uh, I'm trying to remember who it was, took three straight pitches. He, he just stood there like, watched them go by. It was like they'd given up. I, I think they were so deflated uh, by that decision. And, you know, I've heard a lot of commentators talk about it and they say, well, that's that's how he's always managed all season, how he managed in the playoffs and stuff like that. He didn't manage the analytical stuff every game in the playoffs and even every game in the World Series. He did. He did deviate from that the odd time. And um, I forget who it was on Sportsnet. It was either Justin Morneau or Joe Siddle said, you know, sometimes you got to throw the math away and just manage with your eyes. And I think that's what he should have done. He should have left Snell in there. Sure. So what? He gave up a, a base hit to in the in the start that sixth. Uh, I think it was a sixth inning, right? Uh, but it was like, man, man, oh man. And I was cheering, I was cheering for the Rays until that moment. And then I said, I want the Dodgers to win. That just ticked me off. Of course, then the whole Justin Turner thing now. So <laughs> I'm ticked off that the Dodgers won. So <laughs> you can't, <laughs> yeah. please, you can never, you can never please me. 
Hey, do you think this will change any of the analytics moving forward? People thinking like you have, as you said, there has to be that eye sight and and what you see and how you react because there was no question he pulled them because the computers told him to pull them. And I just hope there's a lot of things about baseball right now, Jim, that I do not like. And I blame a lot of it on this analytics thing. Do you think it'll change after this? Well, I think a lot of teams are probably going to look at it. Hopefully they look at it because I I think it's just, it's ruining the game uh, because we were seeing like right in that game there, we were seeing a great pitching performance and all of a sudden it was gone. But we've seen it so many other times. It was a story. It was interesting. A few weeks ago, there was a story in the uh, in the New York Daily News, and they were talking about the fact that Aaron Boone, uh, that Cashman tell pulls the strings with Aaron Boone. The same thing. The analytics, and of course, Cashman would say, "Oh no, no, I don't do that. I don't do that." Well, I got a pretty first hand from a former coach on the uh, New York Yankees, who's now. Uh, in Philadelphia, and uh, I, I'm not going to say Robbie Thompson's name, but there I just did that because uh, I was in New York one time. In fact, it was the opener of the Jays and the Yankees a few years ago. We went out for a couple of, of A&W root beers after the game, and Robbie got talking about that how Girardi was just just in the the the, the analytics, the shift, all that sort of stuff. They would get reams of, of, of paper. Now I guess it's all on a little laptop or whatever, or an iPod, iPad, that uh, from upstairs. And they're saying, this is what you got to do. This is where you got to put the fielders for this batter. This is what you got to do for this. This is when this pitcher needs to come out. This pitcher goes in and stuff like that. And it was driving Girardi crazy. Well, I'm sure it's driving Aaron Boone crazy too, although he was very diplomatic and said, oh, no, no, that doesn't happen. But it does, and I'm sure it's happening everywhere in baseball because they see some success with it. But now that they've seen a colossal failure, I'm sure a lot of them are going to look at it and say, you know what, here's some suggestions. If you feel different, go with your gut feeling, go with your eyes. But, it, and I, I found it also too, it was dragging, making for long, like we had world series games that were going four hours. It was just crazy. But, uh, I don't yeah. want to start ranting about uh, ranting about that, but uh, that's um, I, it was way past my way past my bedtime. A few of those nights, although uh, I, don't man, be- I don't believe that for a second. You're posting. All I was grumpy. I was grumpy the next morning. <laughs> <laughs> hey, a lot of people are calling for Kevin Cash's head. I, I don't think it's going to happen because at the end of the day, it was it, it's an organizational decision to do to use these yeah. analytics. I think he's back, and nothing will be said about it. Oh, I know. When when I when I saw that too, like Alex Rodriguez and some of the players were popping off on Twitter, and I thought, wait a minute, wait a minute here. Again, as you say, it, it was an organizational organizational decision, and he was just basically following following orders too from up uh, from up top. And uh, I, there's no reason to fire him. The Rays had a great seat, and look what he look what he accomplished with. I think it what the third lowest payroll in the major leagues uh, this season against the second highest payroll in the major leagues this season. No, of course, nobody I think can ever match what the Yankees uh, Yankees payroll is. But uh, but no, Cash did a great job with that uh, with that lineup. And of course, they lost some pitchers too. So no, I, I think I think calling for his firing that's 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 asinine, really. 
Yeah, I agree with you, Jim. And I mean, yeah, this is going to be talked about for a long time. Blake Snell pulled on just 73 pitches and the next six batters that he was set to face, they were 0 for 6 against him with 6 Ks yeah. and he hadn't walked yeah. a single batter yet. I mean, it, it was a... And that was the top decision. of the order. That's a... First three it, guys in the order, too. Exactly. Wow, crazy. Crazy. Yeah. It was pretty wild well, I stuff. Everybody was shocked. The Dodgers yeah. were I, – I wish they'd shown the Dodgers dugout because I'm sure they were jumping up and down with joy. Like, they were banging and on that, the garbage cans. And, oh, that's right. That, There's no no garbage <laughs> cans in baseball anymore. <laughs> that's right. But I, that's the other thing. Like, do the analytics tell – can they figure out during the game that, oh, maybe this shouldn't happen – because he has struck these three guys out twice in the game already, or are the analytics all in previous games? So it's not it's even taken. Yeah, it's previous right? games and it's already laid out. There's, there's, it's basically they call it the game plan. Well, yeah. again, that's where sometimes you got to throw that. Imagine if we went into wars with, with that, with analytics going into wars. And all of a sudden, something changed. Oh no, this we can't we can't deviate from this. Yeah, you got to stand there and stay there. Yeah, 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 yeah. But that's where all the bombs are hitting. Doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. doesn't matter. The analytics say that's where you got to be. <laughs> Pretty wild stuff. Yeah, and and Anderson goes in and immediately, you know, the the game falls apart. And you know, Blake Snell, I I just feel so bad for the kid. I mean, he was in tears in the dugout. It it sucks. But you know, congrats to the Dodgers. And I mean, I do feel really good for Clayton Kershaw. Now all 10 pitchers that have won three plus Cy Youngs have a world series title. Uh, obviously this is a legacy moment for him. And it, uh, it certainly shut a lot of people up, I think in terms of his struggles in the playoffs, Jim. Well, there was a lot of doubters too. A lot of people were starting to say, maybe this guy isn't as good as, as he's showed. Well, he is. And uh, now I guess Trout's the only guy that really needs to uh, oh, win a God. World Series to get rid of his doubters. Like, here's the guy they kept saying for how many years is the greatest player in the game. And now there's been a few more in this World Series that kind of like, uh, uh, my God, there was some some outstanding players in this World Series that have made people forget about uh, Mike Trout. But uh, no, for Clayton Kershaw, I think uh, that, that was great that he's finally getting his uh, – finally getting his ring because he he's classy too you've never heard anything bad about him whatsoever not even a sniff of of any impropriety or anything like that so no i i think this is good it uh i don't know whether he was feeling it but you can say yeah definitely got the old monkey off his back that's for sure but uh and again uh a great world series like it's just too bad that the snell thing is going to be what people are going to continue to to talk about, but that was an outstanding World Series. There was some great playoff games as well, but that World Series was a good World Series. It was intriguing. It was, and unfortunately, uh, I guess the first game was the lowest ratings in, since they started doing ratings for television. But what do the what do the fans know that go? Oh, the Dodgers and the Rays. We don't we don't want to watch them. Well, they if they didn't watch it, they missed out on some terrific terrific baseball. And then if if it wasn't bad enough with everything going on in the world, there's Turner testing positive for COVID-19 and out there. Well, first of all, they let him play to the eighth inning. So, yeah. And then he's out there <laughs> celebrating the victory and taking his mask off. Jeff, this guy's got to get suspended, right? Like they got to, like well, got to, they got to. Apparently major league security uh, word is that Manfred or somebody sent security out 
tell him to get off the field. And he just said no. He basically told them to go screw themselves. And so he stayed out there for the photo and all that. And then he tweeted about it and mm-hmm. all that sort of stuff. But, yeah, no, that's that, is, that was just a blatant uh, – like I, I put on Facebook, banging garbage cans pales in comparison with what he did. And number one, how did he get it? They were, they were supposed to be in a bubble. Did he all of a sudden have to go out to the uh, – I'll go back to the NBA early on, out to the strip club f- for a slice of pizza or whatever? But, uh, again, I think they got to find out how, how he contracted it. Like, where did that come from? I'm really surprised that they didn't keep those teams there longer. I just heard that yesterday they said that the teams could leave. I was hoping California, that the mayor of Los Angeles or the governor would say, no, you guys, you guys stay in uh, Arlington for two weeks. Think of this, though. Think of this. And the announcers never brought this up at all. Imagine if the Rays had won that game, come back and won the game. Yeah. Would they have had to quarantine for two weeks before game seven? Yep. That would have been a test of Mr. Manfred. Yeah, yeah. But Speaking yeah. of Mr. Manfred, what oh. the heck? Have they explained that? His Like his speech after the game with the MVP? He sounded oh. like he was either, and I don't want to make fun of it, but he sounded like he was either having a stroke or drunk or... He had an earpiece in that was delayed. That's the only explanations I have, but he did might not. Might have been good. the earpiece. Yeah. Might have been the earpiece, but also I think the uh, it was probably being broadcast over the sound system in the stadium like they usually do. And he was probably listening to that, mm-hmm. which if you're not used to that, I guess that can really, uh, really mess you up. But also, too, I, I think he was having a stroke because that was a like, my God. Well, number one. If the first test he had that day was inconclusive, why did yeah. he even get to start the game? And then word came out, uh, Fox, the guys on the field, said that they knew in the second inning that he had yeah. tested positive. And it wasn't until the eighth that they took him out of the game. Where was the commissioner of baseball all during that? Look at all the people that he was out on the field because he was playing without a mask, which most of them are. And... Uh, he, how many on that field are going to test positive in the next, uh, mm-hmm. the next five, six, seven days? Uh, you got, you got his teammates, you got the Rays, you got the umpires. I got to think of the umpires. You got the uh, the staff, the personnel, the 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 the, 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 bat, the bat boys, all that sort of yeah. stuff. Like, will we ever find out though? Need. Who knows? Well, I'm sure word will get out there somehow. If all of a sudden a whole bunch of baseball players yeah. test positive for uh, hey, for COVID, you can't, you can't well, keep that. Uh, you can't keep that uh, uh, buried. I guess. Hey, what did you think? Of, uh, now, don't spend a lot of time on this, okay? But okay. was the umpiring uh, up to your standards as, a, as an you umpire? Know you know what they got to do is get rid of that stupid little white square on TV. That thing is not accurate. Every umpire, every plate job, the six guys who did the plate, scored 98% or better on their calls. And that's on – they rate that by callable pitches. So if a pitch is a foot high or in the dirt or something like that, they don't count that as a callable pitch. But every one of those umpires scored 98% or better. That means they've only missed four, maybe five uh, pitches, and a couple of them were up up even higher than that, meaning they only missed a couple of pitches. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it uh, it was. And it's, but that, it's that stupid white box that they put on there for the fans and, and the TV announcers and uh, – I don't know. It doesn't. It doesn't prove anything because that thing is not accurate. But mm-hmm. uh, anyway, that's my little rant about that. Okay. Now I didn't tell you I was going to bring this up, but I want you to talk about concussions and how you've been affected and what happened to you on the field there not long ago. 
Uh, it'll be five weeks. Uh, I was umpiring the uh, Canadian Premier Baseball League showcase. Normally, this uh, showcase goes on at uh, Rogers Centre, and they bring players in from all over Canada uh, in conjunction with uh, with uh, Baseball Canada and all the other leagues. And they have the major league scouts, the college scouts are there, that sort of thing. But because of, of the COVID, they couldn't do that. So um, Chris Robinson and Adam Stern, both guys who played in the in the big leagues, from uh, they're from our area here. Uh, Chris is the heads up the uh, the um, uh, Great Lake Canadian baseball program based out of uh, Dorchester, and so he decided to bring the players into uh, Dorchester for the showcase tournament. Now, of course, they couldn't get the scouts across the border. But a lot of the major league teams have have their scouts. They have their Canadian bird dogs, and and they the colleges have people up here as well. So they uh, they came to uh, see that. Originally, the Rogers Center said, "Yeah, we'll host it," and then they just realized that the uh, the uh, just with the COVID, it was just going to be too much of a hassle to make sure that everything was being sanitized all the time. And they just finally said, "No, we can't do it." So that's when Chris decided to have it out at the Field of Dreams out in uh, in Dorchester. So I'm working the game on uh, on uh, on Friday, the first game, and I had been having some dizzy spells a couple of weeks prior to that. And that day, uh, I, I was the ball and strike umpire. Of course, with baseball Ontario, we can't, we could not go behind the plate. We had to call balls and strikes behind uh, the pitcher, which which was interesting. You know, you're not going to be perfect out there by any means, but you still get a pretty good view, and you get a chance to chat with the pitcher. <laughs> I told the catcher, I went in to clean the plate off one time. I said, you know, some of these pitchers don't talk, don't like to talk as much as you guys do. I'm getting bored out there, but uh, he, he laughed. But so anyway, uh, I was having dizzy spells in the game and it was a, it was a Friday afternoon and I was going to take myself out at the end of that half inning. Well, I got taken out in an ambulance. Uh, I guess my, one of my umpire partners, uh, Justin Snively said that uh, I just took a step back and I just went horizontal right down and he said your head bounced they got to me and uh they said my eyes were open the um the coach one of the coaches that was at third base at the time is a uh, firefighter from windsor and it turned out there was two parents in this that were there who were doctors family physicians so they came out they said my eyes were open for about a minute and then they just I, but i wasn't responsive then they just went closed and i was out for three or four minutes well right away that was okay nine one one, get the ambulance um, uh, it's not my first time having a concussion, but never something, uh, something like that. And, uh, it, uh, I, it's, it kind of, sh it shakes you because I'm still, I'm still today. I'm having a good day. There's been some days where I can't even string together a sentence because my brain just, where was I? What was I just, uh, just talking about? But, uh, and so I've I've done all the uh, the concussion protocols. I've been trying to stay off my phone, trying to stay off the social media. It's, it's not bad during the day, but once at night it starts getting dark, and then my screen—that's when I realize it. I got to get off of it. And I found ways to cope with television. Uh, when the World Series was on, I was actually sitting in the dark with just the screen, and I could see it that way. If I had any lights on in the room, the, the lights were distracting. But I think it's just, uh, it's, again, concussions can't, should not ever be taken, taken lightly. The old days of, you know, oh, it's just a knock on the head, get back out there. And this is where I really give sports uh, a lot of credit. I think all the, uh, right from the professional sports, and until the professional leagues started taking it seriously, 
pulling players out of games, that sort of thing. Uh, I, I don't think the message was getting through, but once they started doing that, then it, it got right, it filtered right on, uh, right on down and, uh, and the, the, uh, the amateur sports, the kids sports, that sort of thing. I, and so, so all the parents, if you're, if your son or daughter gets a whack on the head, pay attention to them, see, see what's going on. Don't let them say, Oh, I want to get back out there and play. Uh, anyway, I'm not going to preach, but, uh, but anyway, I'm, uh, no, I'll, I'll deal with it and hopefully I'm back umpiring again, uh, next season, whatever next season's going to, uh, going to look like at least i got in i think i got nine or ten games in and as i say umpiring behind the mound was different but i give baseball ontario a lot of credit i don't know what the other provinces did but baseball ontario right from the get-go was saying you know what we're going to keep developing protocols now they're going to be changing on the fly depending on what the government does but we want to be ready in case the government says okay you can play some ball and so as soon as the government gave the go-ahead and i think that was around july that they could at least start training and then I think it was in August when they said, "Okay, you can start playing some uh, playing some games." Baseball Ontario was ready to go. Some of the associations in London had just shut, thrown their arms in the air right in March and said, "That's it. There, there'll be no baseball this year." Well, those kids, I, I talked to some of those kids because uh, they would come and watch some of the games, and they were upset because they said, "Geez, our association, we we should be playing baseball right now." So I, again, I, I full marks to uh, Baseball Ontario on how they've uh, handled this. Uh, I know minor hockey is probably pulling their hair out right now uh, on what to do. We just saw that the uh, Ontario Hockey League has now uh, come to the realization that they're not going to be able to do anything until February. I'll keep rambling. Uh, I doubt that the OHL plays this season. Um, I agree. Teams like London with the Hunters, all the money they've made, they could exist with with 50 fans or 100 fans or no fans. There might not even be any fans allowed in. But teams like Owen Sound, uh, like the, in Guelph, the smaller markets, they, there's no way they can survive without having any, any fans in their, uh, in their building. Sudbury, North Bay, places like that. So, I agree, And it's too Jim. bad. It's, it's really tough. It's going to be tough. Uh, but you know what? It's, it's, it's coming down. It's life and death, really. It, uh, it yeah, was just it's... a thing. I just saw a thing on uh, from the USA Today, and I know this is in Canada, but every 107 seconds in the United States, one person dies from uh, from COVID-19. And unless the United States can get a grip on it, the rest of the world is going to be, uh, we're going to be shut down for a long time if the U.S. can't uh, get a handle on this. Well, the border, for sure. And I, I miss the border being open because I, there's no theater to go to in New York City, but that's my uh, that's my second life is going to New York to see theater and that sort of thing. So yeah, I'm, I'm just kind of, yeah. Sorry, sorry, Ryan. Situa- oh no, no worries. It's, yeah. it's a huge situation, and I mean, uh, first off, I mean with the concussions, I've had a number as well, and we we hope that you're going to be able to be healthy, Jim. And then yeah, you're right. The OHL uh, a release came out uh, yesterday, basically saying that the OHL or, or earlier this week, I should say that uh, they plan on starting February fourth. Forty games, eight teams make the playoffs. No mention of how they're going to handle the situation with the American teams. Just oh. that's their loose plan. So we'll see if we'll see if they can get that off the ground. I agree. I just don't think it'll happen. Uh, touching on hockey, though, Jim. I was gonna, obviously, I'm just going to jump into that for one second. The one thing that the OHL apparently has has looked at is bringing the American teams in, if right. the government will allow it, having them quarantined, 
and then playing in a like a hub, like uh, the Plymouth would come in and play in Windsor, Saginaw and Flint would come and play in uh, in Sarnia, or maybe one of those teams would come into uh, into London. But again, who knows? The Canadian government, if you know what, if the Canadian government said no to Major League Baseball, uh, they're they're probably going to yeah. say no to Major Junior Hockey. Well, quickly, Jim, I want to touch on this Arizona Coyotes situation with, you know, you covered the OHL for a long time. Obviously, you know uh, a lot about how scouting works, obviously in baseball as well. Um, this Mitchell Miller story. Now, if, if our listeners aren't familiar, our viewers, I'll, I'll just fill you in quickly. The Arizona Coyotes drafted a young man named Mitchell Miller in the fourth round. It was their first pick of the draft this year. He was involved uh, over a long period of time in a bullying, uh, you know, in- incident uh, involved a black classmate who was mentally disabled. Uh, the abuse went on for a number of years and it culminated in a horrible incident um, in which he and he and a friend of his subjected this poor kid to just a horribly heinous act. Um, I'm not going to repeat what was said here. You can find it on uh, online. Um Anyway, yeah, he gets drafted, and and now it's come out on Thursday that they've released him. They're not going to sign him. Um, I don't know if it was from outside pressure, what have you. They say they found out more details about the incident since drafting him. I just don't believe that, and I I, I would maybe, Jim, be more inclined to believe it if it was any other organization on earth, but the fact that it's the Arizona Coyotes, the biggest dumpster fire organization in professional sports history uh i just don't believe this for a second what are your thoughts on this how could they possibly have not known all the details and done their homework on this kid i i'm sure they did and they just decided you know what we're going to take this kid i think he was what in the uh, in the fourth round yeah and they just figured well we'll we'll deal we'll deal with whatever pressure comes or whatever the media says course then when the media jumped all over it in the beginning they said well we're, we're going to work with them we're going to work with them we're going to have him go out into the community and right. talk about bullying and all this kind of stuff well i i think it just became a case of the outside pressure we had the uh, diversity group the nhl players group and 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 you know what after everything that had gone on with all that and the show of solidarity there and in the nba for them to still draft this kid like I know you don't want to throw somebody away, but you don't you don't reward a kid like that because because it, it was just, as you say it was just heinous what went on, and it was over a period of time. It wasn't one one incident, and he's never apparently he's never really shown a lot of remorse for it. So uh, I I think it was outside pressure, and I'm I'm wondering if uh, if they got a call from Mr. Batman about it, saying you better you better take care of this or we're going to take care of it. Uh, I'm just speculating on that, but For I sure. would hope. Well, yeah. I, well, I, Gary you know is what? their glorified owner. Yeah. Wow. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I guess he, I guess he calls the shots there, although he doesn't. Uh, they also said that the team spoke to the victim's family and really found yeah. out a lot more on Thursday yeah. as well. But, um, but like but why, the Phoenix Coyotes, like you they, talk yeah, you're Why right, that, and that's that the thing. Due the diligence, right? Due diligence. They had lots of time before the draft. They knew they were going to pick them. Yeah. Right, like, and they knew that there was a problem. The 
They would. Yeah. They knew there was a problem. So why didn't they do all their homework? But you know, you talk about the Coyotes, Ryan, and you talk about a dumpster fire. Here's a team who traded away their first round pick this year for Taylor Hall. He's gone. They yeah. worked out junior players, lost two draft picks, including the second th- this year and the first next year. They only had four draft picks this this year at all. So you think yeah. they could have done their homework on four guys they were going to pick. Um, yeah. It's just a joke. And like the general manager said, he wasn't involved and there was like a transition well, with the scouts. To- to be he fair, wasn't there. He, he wasn't, wasn't there. He wasn't there. Bill Armstrong, who was formerly yeah. with the Blues, he has no yeah. part in this. To be fair to to right. Bill Armstrong, yeah. he he yeah. was not part of this draft. And and I, but to your point, Clarky, you listed off all the embarrassing things. Let alone the fact that they bleed money and are never in black ink. It's a joke that that they the arena is in a terrible place. Just everything that you could run down about the organization is just wrong decision, wrong decision, wrong decision. And this one is the worst of them all. And like you guys just said, how did they not call this poor kid's family? Uh, Isaiah Meyer Crothers, how did they not call this kid's family prior to the draft to find out he's never apologized? Listen, guys, real quick, I'm all for giving people second chances. Go ahead, Jim. Go ahead, Ryan. Sorry, I didn't mean to jump over I, I just I'm all for giving people second chances. I'm not on this train of, of going, oh, we shouldn't, you know, make people pay for the rest of their lives for mistakes. I agree, but there has to be some contrition on the part of the mistake doer. And by all accounts, this kid, the the biggest red flag for me is that he sent letters to every single NHL team saying, I've changed, I I'm sorry about this incident. He's never apologized once to the kid. And, no. and that, to me, is the hugest indictment on Mitchell Miller's character, and he does not deserve the privilege and didn't deserve the privilege of having his name called the NHL draft. It's a joke. And, uh, and the NHL and Gary Bettman, I bet he's pulling out whatever hair he has left over this situation because they embarrassed the league and they embarrassed the sport, frankly. And that's all I have to say about the Arizona dumpster fire coyotes. Jim, go ahead. I was just, I was just going to say, how does the uh... – Quebec City Coyotes sound. Yeah. It sounds off. Awesome. You know why? Because then maybe Austin Matthews won't go there in three years when his contract's up with the Leafs. That's what I'm hoping. Hey, Jim. <laughs> don't have He's not time. going now. Jim, we don't have much time left. And okay. I hate to do this. But is this world going to change next Tuesday? Keep it short. Oh, uh, please. Fingers crossed. I hear you. I hope so, too, my friend. Uh, Jim Creston, speaking, friend speaking of the show. Of- yeah. No, speaking go ahead, Jim. Of a, speaking of just a colossal, like, whatever, and that's all I'll say about that guy. Yeah. I don't even like to say his name anymore. Anyway. I know. We will we'll, we'll not repeat yeah. it here either. We're done with him as well, Jim. Jim Cressman. Jim the Hitman Cressman, our friend. Longtime umpire, longtime colonist. Man, we really appreciate you doing this, buddy. Uh, be well. We, we hope that you heal. Concussions are a scary thing. Uh, just be well, my friend. We really appreciate you doing this. Thanks. Thanks, Ryan and Clarky. Well, anytime, man. <laughs> Except if I have a headache. <laughs> we hear you, man. Thanks for doing this. We'll take a quick break and we'll come back here on MWO Sports brought to you by CoolBet.co. This is MWO Sports. <laughs> Sports. 
Welcome back, everybody, to MWO Sports, brought to you by CoolBet.co. Ryan Drury alongside Clarky. Thanks to our buddy Jim, the hitman Crestman, for joining us in the last segment. Now we're joined by another great special guest, another friend of the show, Caleb Warren, former Listool Cyclone and current player with Queen's University. Caleb, how you doing, bud? Great. Great to be on the show again. Yeah, it's great to have you back. And obviously, it's off the back of a, a really positive story. You and a number of your former Cyclones teammates did a great equipment drive for a community out of Koken up north. Uh, just tell us a little bit about the drive. What inspired you guys to do it and how you pulled this off? It's an incredible story, man. Right. Yeah. No, it's, uh, it's really great to see how it turned out because we actually did uh, one back in my last year of junior with Listel. I remember in my second last year. And it was all uh, it was all started by my mom, surprise surprise. But uh, of she had me uh, just gathering like equipment from all of our teammates. It was right before our Christmas break one year, and we ended up getting a ton and setting it up. I can to post this. We we found it through Kidsport or Jumpstart, um, this northern community called Atacokan, and uh, it's a really small town, a lot of First Nations population, and uh, the big thing for them is. The kids love sports, but there's no sports store in town or within like 100 kilometers of there. And mainly it's a it's a poor community. So anything helps. And these kids, like the first time we did it, they sent us pictures and a thank you video just saying like how grateful they are for it. They just, you'd see some like five or six year olds with extra large helmets on, but they're smiling so big they don't really, really care what they're wearing, right? So this time around, we actually... I tried to see how like the whole community could do it, and we ended up getting about four skids of hockey equipment. So it ended up wow. being, I, I guess it was probably 30 to 40 kids fully dressed in equipment and $1,500 on top of that or something. So really happy. That's- that's incredible, man. I mean, you guys yeah. always did such a great job, you and the boys, that that Southern right. Cup and Double Cherry Cup team. I mean, you guys always did great work in the community. This is so awesome, man. I mean, uh, obviously, it's it's great to be able to do stuff with your former teammates, and I know that team is still so close, but it's mm-hmm. great that the community was able to get involved too, and I know uh, the local home hardware helped you guys out this time as well. Yeah, that, that was huge because our initial plan is, uh, and we still hope to do it, go down there and spend a weekend, kind of make it a little hockey festival kind of thing and bring about three or four of my teammates with me, ex-teammates, the list little guys, and uh, just play hockey with them, get to know them because they, they want to put a face to the, the people that have helped them out over the years almost. I was going to ask, you haven't been there, so that, that will be quite oh, a yeah. thrill, I'm sure, when you get to go oh, up there. And sure. I'm sure those kids will just, like, it's obviously something they're going to remember the rest of their lives. Exactly, right? And um, it's it's so it's so little how how much you just think your spare hockey equipment that's been sitting in the garage for years can help a kid play hockey. It's pretty pretty amazing. Speaking of playing hockey, I mean, I know, Caleb, unfortunately, you know, you being involved with U Sport down in Kingston at Queens, the season gets canceled. I mean, you know, how big of an impact was that on you and your teammates down there? And I mean, I know you spent time in the WOAA League as well a little bit with Mapleton Minto. You can't even play there because they canceled their season. Just uh, how disappointing was that to get that news? Uh, It's it's so tough. I actually... um... I haven't talked to many people about this yet, but I, it was a big like summer of thinking for me, just in the sense of, do I keep playing while I'm doing engineering undergrad? It's it's like come to the point where 
Um, like, what am I gonna, when am I gonna start focusing on a career path, really? Uh, so I actually, I stepped away from the team for now with Queens. Uh, nothing's going on, really. My initial plan was to play senior this year um, in, in Minto or somewhere around here. So that's too bad. And I, honestly, my big, like the big conversation I had with my mom going into this season was uh, I've gone so far in hockey. Uh, where do I want to take that platform to? And that's kind of motivated me to like do the Atacokan thing really, right? Um, it's it's kind of, it's fulfilling in a way because you, you have that void of missing hockey, um, something that's been your entire life. Um, but it's really helped me at like, using that my platform and everything to to reach out and spread my uh spread awareness in the hockey world really gail uh, what do you hear about uh what's happening locally here in listwell with the cyclones and the leagues around here junior b and junior c i'm sure you're tuned in talk to some guys do you think they're gonna play what's your gut feeling well i was i haven't seen brooksy yet since i've been home but i brady anderson's always stopping by right and he's a, he's the assistant coach there I wanted to get out to a couple of little skates while I'm back um, just to stay in form, really. Um, but they, they've been practicing every day. And, like, like a normal practice schedule, working out on the same practice schedule. I know, like, the the OHL, I have a, a roommate down at Queens. His brother plays in Ottawa. And, like, they're pretty hopeful about it. They really are. Like, But that's a February start, am yeah. I right? And I, I just... I can't see it all. Like I, I have parents in the healthcare industry, right? I, I can't see anything happening before Christmas. It just you see what happened in the queue with all those kids. Like it's like it's so it's so sad really. Like I um I personally like wish they could figure something out, but like their solutions, like no body contact and stuff, like it just it doesn't make sense to me. And it's got to be so tough for, like, you know, OHL kids who really have a shot at, you know, at a career in this to take a year off of, yeah, sure, you can practice all you want, Caleb, but that gets a little boring and and tough after a while, right? You want to play, you want to compete, you want to go out there and hit guys, right? So it's got to be tough on guys like that. eh? Yeah, how do you, my, like, biggest thing, I, I was talking to my dad about this, it's, what if you're a, a grinder in the OHL? It was your draft year. You're touted to be a, a top six rounder. Like, how can you define yourself as a player if there's no body checking? Like, how can you? And I, I personally just, you love practicing. Practicing probably like that's one of the big things I miss. But it's all because you're leading it up to a game on the weekend. When you're doing that repetitively, it's like stealing a lot of a lot of fun out of the of the game, really, right? And I don't know. It's it's something that. Like, what do you do for the the twenty year olds this year that are done junior? Like, do you give them another opportunity or? It's just yeah, a, it's a mess. It, right? Yeah, we dug into that a lot last week and just crossing our fingers because you know, well, you know us at the state. We love to cover the games. We loved covering you guys on that Sutherland Cup run, the Cherry Cups. Like that was so fun. That's memories that'll stick with me as a broadcaster for a lifetime. And. To not yeah. be able to do that so far this year has, you know, been tough on us. Like it's, it's no fun not being at the rink on Friday nights. Um, yeah, it's you can only practice so much. It's yeah, it's a tough situation. Caleb, I wanted to ask you just, you know, final one for me. And and again, we commend you for doing this equipment drive, man. This is such a great story. And next year when right. you do it or next time you do it, we'd love to be involved somehow. Like, uh, you know, we'll sure. we'll have to yep. chat and. Uh, 
get that all hooked up. We'd love to be involved and advertise it for you. Um, I just wanted to ask, you know, a lot of your former teammates, a lot of your friends, you know, you mentioned Brady Anderson, of course, who's a fixture on the bench now with the Cyclones. Holden Lansink is an assistant GM in junior C. Brock Byers running a goalie school. Like a lot of your former teammates are getting into, you know, the coaching, the management side of things. Is that something that's ever interested you? Yeah, it's it's new to me. I, I was supposed to well it's today thursday yeah stevie grant's even doing that now he i went out last week with them and they're just running skates for the little kids and you know they they made such a positive impact in the community it's so easy for them to uh keep reaching out and keep like giving back in the hockey world right for me um that's the tough part right uh school definitely taking a hit by choosing to play at the oua level right and hopefully when i figure it all out and get it all done my my aim is to I'd love to keep giving back, right? I'd love to coach. I all those younger generations look up to us, and I, I would love to stay in the game somehow, whether it's if I'm playing or coaching. But that's for me, it'd be down the road farther. Uh, it's not a commitment that I can do right now, really. Well, for sure, you've got to get school done and everything. But I mean, I, I think that you've got the right demeanor for it. And I think that you'd make a great either GM or coach for sure. Clark, yeah. you got anything else for our buddy Caleb here? No, I was just thinking like what what we need to do is we need to get a, an airline on board with this uh, drive next time you do it. And they'll fly us up there and we'll do an MWO Sports live up there. Um, and oh, I think yeah. it'd be terrific. We, we need to do that. That's we need an to get, idea. You, do you have any oh, friends yeah, in the airline industry? Uh, I was I was thinking about that. So my my plan is to document the whole thing, right? Make yep. a make yep. a video of all so everyone can see it. That'd be amazing, honestly. And even to have commentators or something like that for the kids if they played a game or something, that like Perfect. they'd feel like celebrities for a day, right? I mean, uh, I'm, I'm sure the the coolest part, honestly, about the whole thing was when I've been like talking on the phone with the the kids sport down there, they. They're saying how, yeah, like a couple of people will probably move out of the house for a weekend, give it to you guys, take you ice fishing. They're so generous down there. They, It's just a whole different world. I love it. Let's do it. We, we've got a lot of talking to do then. We we would love to be on board. This is, that, that sounds like a great time. Uh, we definitely want to be involved. And Caleb, again, we, we really congratulate you and the boys on uh, and your mom, of course, who it was her idea. Dr. Barbara, she's amazing. Uh, say hi to her for us. And sure. uh, we really, we really appreciate you doing this, buddy. Thanks so much for joining oh, us. Eh? Awesome. It's great catching up with you guys. I'll, I'll definitely be talking to you soon with yeah. that stuff. Absolutely, buddy. Let's make it happen. Uh, we'll take another quick break here on MWO Sports brought to you by CoolBet.co. And we'll come back with our resident wagering expert from CoolBet, Chris Abbott, on the NFL lines this weekend. This is MWO Sports. Welcome back to wrap things up here on MWO Sports. This week brought to you as always by CoolBet.co. Ryan Drury riding shotgun here with Chris Clark. And of course, we are joined as always at the end of every episode by our wagering resident betting expert, Mr. Chris Abbott from CoolBet. Chris, how are you this week? I'm good, Ryan. Chris, how are we doing? We're doing well, man. Uh, you know, we're excited for uh, another week of the NFL because that's basically all that's left. So we got World Series is over. Did, did, was there any money on Kevin Cash pulling uh, his starter after five and a third? 
<laughs> it worked for me. I, I immediately bet the Dodgers when they made the pitching change, got them at plus 120, and two batters later, the Dodgers were minus 500. So, uh, wow. yeah, I made made a couple of dollars there. But uh, that's why live betting can also be uh, pretty fun. Uh, just got to watch yourself not to make too, bet- too many live bets. <laughs> exactly. Live betting can be very advantageous, but you can get yourself into some trouble too. <laughs> Let's talk about some teams that might be in trouble this weekend. Now, obviously the major matchup, Baltimore Pittsburgh, this is probably the best rivalry in football. I love watching these games and these two teams are kind of the cream of the crop right now in the AFC. Certainly. Who do you like coming out of this one? Can Pittsburgh stay perfect or is Baltimore going to take a chunk out of the armor? I don't know. This is an interesting one for me just solely because I don't know that there's a four-point differential between these teams. I mean, Pittsburgh's undefeated. Baltimore's coming off a bye, so that's that's you never know how that's going to work out. Um, if Baltimore was a, a four-point underdog here, I would bet them. So Pittsburgh being a four-point underdog, I've got to bet them. I think this is closer to a pick em. I, I'm I'm a little bit surprised that uh, things are this spread out considering how good Pittsburgh's looked the last couple of weeks. So uh, Mark Ingram's also battling an injury. Not everything is great for Baltimore. Um, I, I, I'm riding with the Steelers here. I actually took them on the money line and the points. I completely agree. Uh, I think people are still underestimating how good that defensive front seven is. And I think that they're going to cause problems for Lamar. They're going to force him to throw it. And sometimes that doesn't work out great. Uh, Let's talk about Saints Bears, two teams that are still kind of hitting their stride. New Orleans has looked very good at times. Sometimes they've looked pretty average. The Bears have kind of come back to earth a little bit recently. Uh, Who comes out on top in this one? Well, New Orleans opened as about a three-and-a-half-point road favorite in this. Uh, as I look at it right now, they're a five-point favorite. If we look at the way Chicago played on, uh, was that Monday night? Uh, Monday night, Sunday night, one of the primetime games. Anyway, terrible, just brutal. And their offense hasn't been scoring points. I think uh, in all the games Nick Foles has started, they're averaging like 15 points. So even though New Orleans' defense isn't great, I just don't think Chicago has what it takes here. Uh, we're looking at a really low total of 43 and a half and a five point spread. So that tells me that the books and uh, people who are betting on this think we're looking at another game for New Orleans, much like Chicago played the other night, like 27 six kind of deal. Um, so, you know, even though Michael Thomas is is out uh, for the Saints, uh, it looks like anyway, for sure. They've, they've got enough weapons in uh, Alvin Kamara and uh, and Latavius Murray in the backfield. Uh, Jared Cook's definitely going to score a touchdown. Like Jared Cook, anytime touchdown scorer is a great bet when you're betting with the Saints. So uh, even though New Orleans hasn't been as good, I think they're, they're still much better than the Bears. I agree. I would take New Orleans as well. Let's talk another uh, divisional matchup here in the 49ers and the Seahawks. The Seahawks coming off just a crushing overtime loss to Kyler Murray and the Cardinals. That was great for my fantasy team and my betting line as well. I was very happy with the results there. Does Seattle bounce back or can the Niners deal them some more misery here? I don't know. Wilson to lock. It looks pretty good, but uh, I I don't know. That's a, that's a really tough, situation and I like the fact that you're getting three points with the 49ers here so I'm inclined to take San Francisco I've also taken Jimmy Garoppolo in in uh, fantasy uh, this weekend just because uh, this Seattle defense can't stop anybody uh, they, they should have ran away with that game in prime time the other night and, and Arizona was just always still there so to me that's two weeks in a row where Arizona just kind of 
won a game that, you know, they weren't dominant in by any stretch of the imagination. So um, I think I like San Francisco here. I think that they're, they're sneaky better than people are giving them credit for. So I'm going to take the underdog 49ers here. The total is pretty high at 53 and a half. And um, depending on what the injury report looks like for the 49ers, that might be a good, uh, a good bet as well for the over. Okay. It's time for me to put you on the spot. Like I try to do every week. Can I, and this, it's not going to put you on the spot, but can I make a bet on what day I think the NHL season will start? Is there any such thing like that? Uh, you know what? That's a really good thing that we should offer. And I'm there you go. Maybe in a couple of days you will be able to bet that. Um, listen, we heard the Ontario Hockey League this week, uh, early February start date. Yep. I know the NHL was looking at January 1st, but now apparently that's uh, that's uh, ambitious from what we're hearing. So, I you think it would be a good idea. I think I think we'll put it up. And I mean, when you're looking at it, you know, I think the NBA and the NFL can get away without fans in the stands. I don't know if the NHL can. I don't know if the, there's enough money to go around. So, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting. I mean, it's it's disappointing, but uh, this is where we are right now. I'm going to see if we can get that one up. OK, let me know. Perfect. I will. I will. He absolutely will. That's why he's our wagering expert, of course. Chris, uh, we really appreciate you doing this as always, buddy. Uh, check out coolbet.co, our great sponsor, and uh, you can find out you know, a little bit more about Chris and his great work there. Our wagering expert here, Chris Abbott, on the show. We really appreciate you listening to and watching MWO Sports. You can listen to us every Friday at 6 on CKNX AM 920 and CKNX.ca. You can find us on all the best podcast apps, follow us on social media, and of course watch the show Friday nights at 8, Sunday nights at 9 with our friends on Whiteman TV. And real quick, our co-host Steve Saber, not on the show tonight because he is celebrating his 21st wedding anniversary with his lovely wife Trish, who is a frontline nurse, so we really appreciate uh, all the work she does, and can Congratulations, Savvy and Trish. We will be back next week with more MWO Sports brought to you by CoolBet.ca.